1 Kings 4.29 And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezra, Height, and Heman, and Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all nations round about. And he spake three thousand proverbs, and his songs were a thousand and five. And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts, and of fowl, and of creeping things, and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth, which had heard of, the, of his wisdom. Now we've all heard about the wisdom of Solomon, right? The wisdom of Solomon. Solomon, that's not because I say so, the Word of God says so, besides the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was the wisest man, Solomon was, that ever lived. The Bible says that. He gave him wisdom uh, that there wouldn't be anybody as wise as him before him or after him other than Jesus Christ who knows all things. Amen. And we've all heard about the wisdom of Solomon, but today I believe the Lord would have us to look at, at this second part of verse 29. If you still have your Bibles open, it says God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and he gave him something else. Largeness of heart. Largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. Now, I think these things, these two things actually go together, by the way. And we'll talk about that more as we go. The wisdom and understanding and the largeness of heart. I think they go together almost like in one package. But we think often about the wisdom of Solomon. And I would say without doubt, we know if you've walked with the Lord for any time, you know how you need the wisdom of God, right? In your own life, you need the wisdom of the Lord. I do. God's children need godly wisdom for our lives. But I was thinking, oh, how I need largeness of heart. How I need a largeness of heart. Largeness of heart from the Lord. And, and this is not... We're going to talk about love and, and largeness of heart and our hearts being filled with the, the love of the Lord. And again, I think it goes with understanding because I think someone that has an understanding heart, and I'm talking about spiritual understanding where our eyes have been opened like we looked at in Sunday school this morning. Uh, spiritual understanding, you can be wise-hearted, the Bible talks about. Wise-hearted. And so the two go together. There's a wisdom, but the wisdom of the Lord is going to also encompass to me loving the Lord and loving others and so forth. It's going to be a loving heart. This is not just an intellectual wisdom. It's a largeness of heart that accompanies it. And that's what I really want us to focus on this morning, what I believe God would have us to focus on. And it comes from the Lord. This is not, by the way, just the worldly sentiment. Okay, and there's so many perversions of love that, of, you know, real sugary, syrupy things and people that don't know Jesus and that they, they seem to love a lot, but they don't really 
have the love of the Lord because they don't know the Lord. We're not talking about merely a worldly sentiment or emotional stirrings, although I believe it will include our emotions as well. God gave us emotions, amen? And our emotions can be sanctified and a wonderful part of our lives as well. It's not merely making a show of love or a pretense of love. Have you ever met people or seen people or done it yourself that make a pretense of love? You know, political parties do that. You know, political politicians and candidates do that. They know when to shed a tear at just the right moment. Uh, but they're making, for the most part, a pretense to have a concern or love for their fellow man. And people can do that in the house of God as well. It's not attractive. It's not of the Lord. It's not useful. It's not what we're talking about today. Where somebody makes a pretense of a love for God. Okay? And therefore a pretense of love for, for their, their others around them and people around them. What you and I need and what God gave to Solomon, what we read in 1 Kings 4, we need largeness of heart. Largeness of heart. And it is given to us by the Lord. We without question need the wisdom of the Lord. God gives such wisdom to His children, by the way. Praise God that He does. Amen? If any man lacks wisdom, we heard it. Told Jordan, uh, he took half my Sunday school. I mean, in Sunday school, he took half my, my scriptures today, but it's okay. Um, the Lord must want us to hear it. Amen? But if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. That's what the Bible says. We need the wisdom of the Lord. We're living in perilous times. We're living in any time you would pick. You know, put, point your finger at any time. The men of God and the women of God and the people of God have needed understanding from on high, from the Lord. God gives that. But wisdom, in the sense that a lot of times maybe I think or maybe you think of wisdom, is not all that we need. We need a largeness of heart. We don't just need wisdom. Uh, and we need more than that. And God is certainly able to bestow upon us and His children more than that. The Lord wants His people to be characterized, I believe. To be seen, to be noticed, to be known by our love. That's what His Word says. How, how do people know that you know the Lord? Do they know that you know the Lord because you say, I'm a Christian? Well, certainly we confess. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's part of what we confess, we profess. But we hold a good profession of faith. And we walk with the Lord. And as we walk with the Lord, we're being sanctified. Our body is His temple. He is working in us to make us more like that Savior that saved us. It's real simple to me in one sense. The Lord saves us when we give our life to Him by faith. And His Spirit comes and lives inside of us who is holy, who testifies of Christ, who glorifies Christ, who comforts us, who sanctifies us. God is a consuming fire. He's burning off things that are not of Jesus to where what remains in this earthen vessel and that is that new man, that renewed man that is increasingly becoming more like Jesus. And the Lord wants His people to be characterized and known as His children by our love. It's not enough to wear a t-shirt with a Christian slogan on it or to drive a car with a little fish on the back. And I'm not against either of those. But that's minimal. And people that don't know Jesus can have a fish on their car. I hired a painter one time to work in my house. He had a fish on his car. He was the worst. He was the worst in the sense of his worth ethic, ethic, keeping his word, any of it. He was the worst. 
And so just, just, and I know that there have been times that I, pro, I profess to know Jesus and if people saw me at particular times in my life, I didn't reflect uh, the nature and character of Christ as well. But the Lord wants us to be known by our love. Jesus said to His disciples in John 13, By this shall all men know that you are My disciples. That you have great wisdom. That's not what He says, although He gives it and we need it. That you have love one for another. By this will all men, that would be other believers would know, that would be lost people would see a difference. That doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be saved, but they need to see Christ if they're going to be saved. They need to see the Lord and those that know Him. By this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. God's redeemed. Those that He has saved by His grace. We are to be holy. We're to be holy in the midst of crooked and perverse Nation is how it's described in the Word of God. God's people are to be lights in the midst of darkness. God's people are to be uncompromising and stand strongly for the Lord. Okay, standing when nobody else stands, right? Everybody else runs away, drops the sword or drops the shield and they flee. God wants us to stand uncompromisingly. We, God's people, are to be ambassadors for Christ. God's people are to be faithful ministers of Christ. But in all of it, it has to be by love. It has to be by love. Not, the, not again, the sugary, sentimental love that, that the world expresses with flowers and things like that. You know, and kind of come up and give somebody a big hug and they, they can't stand them. But they know it's a photo op and people are taking pictures and I'm going to act like I love them. I'm talking about the Lord gives that. What He gives to us. And how He loves through us. Amen. All of that. All of the ministry. All of our stand for doctrinal truth. All of our service. All of us going, going out when it's you know 90 degrees and walking around the neighborhood to pass out tracts for our church. Uh, stacking up chairs. Everything. Putting our tithes in the offering plate. All of it has to be by love. It has to be undergirded by love, I guess you would say. It has to be uh, by, the, by the love of the Lord. It has to be more than just a sentiment. It has to be real and genuine. And that real love comes from the Lord. And so the Bible says, I'm just going to read this verse. If you're taking notes, Galatians 5, 6. Galatians 5, 6. You're welcome to turn there if you'd like. This is a key verse for us this morning. For in Jesus Christ, this is for believers, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. So the, the Jewish traditions and laws are not having that. Being a Gentile and not having that. It says uh, avails anything. Circumcision availeth, doesn't avail us anything or uncircumcision. But what does avail something in Christ Jesus, it says at the end of that Scripture, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. And so, what avails in Christ Jesus, what, what matters in Christ Jesus, what accomplishes something in Christ Jesus is faith. And the Bible says we're saved by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. But faith worketh by love. So I looked up this Scripture worketh by love. What does it mean? The object is faith, 
that faith worketh by love. And, and I looked that up to, to what it means is that faith works by love. It means it's active. Faith is active by love. So it's, faith is not like everything about the Lord. It's not just a theory. It's not just a theory. It's sitting isolated by itself up on a, a bookshelf. Okay? Faith. Okay, we have faith here in this compartment. Faith is of the Lord. Faith lays hold. It says in Rome, uh, Hebrews 11, that by faith the elders obtained a good report. Their faith worked. Their faith did something. Okay? And that's what it means. Faith worketh by love. And so it means faith is active by love. It's efficient. This is part of the definition of worketh. Okay? Faith is uh, works by love. It means to be mighty. To show forth. This is part of the defin definition. So faith shows forth itself by love. It's not just moving mountains and casting sycamore trees and they're plucked up and thrown into the sea by faith. Okay? Faith shows forth itself and is mighty by love. So all of our relationship with God Almighty is, is to be one of love. By faith. We don't know the Lord without faith, right? Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. But that faith works or is mighty by love. And so it will... It, our, our relationship with the Savior, our relationship with His body, that's one another. That's this local body and other believers that we might meet today when we go walking around or in Peru or other places we've gone on mission trips and so forth. Faith uh, has to show itself by love. It all has to be undergirt by love. And so, rightly representing the Lord, guess what? It has to be by love. Some of you might remember or, or there was a and it's easy to point the finger so it has nothing to do with naming names or anything but there was when I was at LSU in the mid 80's there was a free speech alley right in front of the LSU Union I guess there still is I don't know how much free speech they, they let you do out there but I can remember walking past there to class with my backpack on, on my back and maybe walking with some friends or whatever and they would have people up there preaching, but there was in their preaching there was there was no love. They were they were simply as people walked by, they were screaming, they were hollering, they were condemning, they were saying, You're going to hell. All you sorority girls are going to hell. There was just no nobody that I saw that they ever really got to lead to the Lord. They really became despised, the ministers. And I'm not saying they weren't true Christians, okay? I'm saying that it didn't seem to me that faith was working by love. Now, are there times that as Christians we have to be stern? John the Baptist said, you're a generation of vipers, he said to the Pharisees, and yet he loved them, and the Lord loved them. There are times we have to be stern. There's times we have to say harsh things. So I'm not criticizing these ministers because they simply said some strong words. It was the fact that every time I heard them, it was the same thing. They would call people names. They would call the girls names that I wouldn't even say up here in the pulpit. You're this. You're a that. And people did not respect them. The students didn't respect them. They didn't 
I'm not saying I never led anybody to the Lord. I'm saying I never saw it. I wasn't following Jesus at the time. So maybe I'm, I'm you know, a little off on my perception of it all. But I'm simply saying that everything we do has to be undergirded by love. And it's not just gushy, warm. We're to speak the truth in love. So there are times, all the time, okay, where we always speak the truth, but we always speak the truth in love. We genuinely care. If we're, if we're praying for our country and seeing all the sin in our country and, and in a sense rebuking the sins of our country, we still love our country, want our country to turn to Jesus. If you have lost people or even strangers that you're talking to Jesus about and their lifestyle is so 180 degrees opposite of what the Bible says their life should be, okay? And everything about their life and their lifestyle we hate with a holy hatred, okay? And yet we love them. It needs to be in love that we minister to them and reach out to them. You know that we can't do that on our own. I'm just kind of preempting my own sermon here to say that. It all has to be by the, by the love of the Lord. It's all just to be filled with the love of the Lord. Our service to God. Our representing Jesus before men. Our, our giving to the Lord. Whether it's finances or of our time or our energy uh, up here at the church or wherever. Our worship of the Lord. It all has to be by love. That's, that's how faith works. And if it's not faith, it's impossible to please God. Whatever's not of faith is sin. And that true faith is working by love. It's effective and effectual by love. And so your church life, your home life, when the church people are not around you and you're at home with your family, it all has to be filled with the love of the Lord. It all has to be, I would say, like saturated or upheld by the love of the Lord. When Jesus was speaking after his resurrection, uh, I believe the last time when he was uh, before he ascended, he was with his disciples and he had Peter off to the side. Simon Peter, who had betrayed the Lord three, three times the night that Jesus was, uh, you know, was arrested and taken. He denied the Lord three, three times. And the Lord says, Peter, do you love me? So he's asking about love three times. Do you love me? And in the third time, you know, when Peter's broken and he says, Lord, you know, I can't even say I love you like I should, right? You know, you know, Lord. And he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. So there was this correlation that Jesus put there between loving God and serving God. Loving God and serving the people of God. The Lord tied that in. You love me then feed my sheep. It has to be out of love. It's not just simply do you believe in me, then go. There are scriptures like that as well, but we have these on love that ties it together. That faith works by love. And so Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. True faith in the Lord will be displayed outwardly. It will be mighty by love. It will work by love. It's a love for God. First and foremost, that's the first and greatest commandment, right? Matthew 22, 37, the, the lawyers came and said, Master, what's the first and greatest commandment? He says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. 
and your, the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Upon these two hang all the laws and the prophets. Doesn't mean all the other laws and commandments of the Lord and prophecies and word of God is now null and void. To me, it makes it real, more real, by those first two. They hang on the first two. They come from the first two. There's a lot more than just loving God and our neighbor. But everything else that He commands us in the Scripture, when you really examine it, will come out of that, right? You're going to give to the work of God. Uh, when the Bible says, you know, give, you're going to give to the things of God because you love the Lord and you love your neighbor as yourself. You're not going to covet something someone else. You're not going to steal. You're not going to murder uh, other people because you love the Lord and you love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, it makes sense. These others are not void by that. They are strengthened by that and they hang on that. So they come from that. And it was a lot of times the Pharisees were keeping a lot of the laws and the traditions outwardly. They were whitewashed sepulchers, right? Outwardly, sepulchers are tomb. They're whitewashed and look beautiful and garnished on the outside, but inwardly, now Jesus said this of them, they were full of dead men's bones. They didn't know the Lord, so there's no true faith, no true love for God, or for the Son of God, or for those that they minister to in the name of God. Doesn't mean they couldn't be saved, just like we looked at in Sunday school. The God, their blinded eyes can be opened. Hallelujah. Turn to the Lord. And, and their eyes can be opened. But we do see that to the Lord, true faith in Jesus Christ is to be displayed by love. Love may not look like what the world thinks it'll look like. If somebody's if I had a lost child that's a teenager or whatever, 20s and they're in rebellion and they're heading south. They're just immorally in every way going away from God. And I had to go grab them and yank, you know, talk some sense into them. Every word probably would not be uh, sugary sweet that you write a poem about. We have to speak the truth in love. So, so love may not be the way the world would say if you love them, just accept them the way they are, right? They're lost. They don't know Jesus. Their life and lifestyle is an utter offense and abomination to God because His Word says so. And the world would say, just accept them the way they are in their lost, sinful condition. Well, that's not that's a worldly view of love. And it's very common and you hear it all the time. If you love me, you'll just accept me and want me to be happy. I don't want you to roast in hell. So I'm going to tell you the truth. You can accept it or reject it, but I will, in love, tell you the truth. I'll lay down my life for you right here. And I'll take the chance of being hated by you and whoever else may hear. But I'm going to tell you the truth in love. The world would not think that as being love. They would think you're whatever, fanatical, fundamentalist, and every other word that they would throw on top of that. Harsh, hard-hearted, narrow-minded, and we could go on and on. But Jesus was hard in that sense, if you want to call it that. You know, John the Baptist, who's warned you to flee the wrath to come? You brood of vipers and so forth. And we have to, it's all displayed by love, not what the world calls love, but what God in His Word calls love. I want to read this in 1 Corinthians 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. 
chapter 13. We all know 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's the love chapter, 13 verses on love. And, uh, but not the world's love, real love. Hallelujah. We can know what real love is. We can know it by reading the Word of God and we can know it by knowing Him who is love. For God is love. Amen? And it's the real love. I'm so glad I don't have to have the phony, the fake, that which pretends to be, but is only that deep. We have the love of God. Amen? Somebody asked the Lord, how much do you love me? He stretched out His arms. Amen? He said this much. And died on the cross. And so, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, or that is love, agape is the word there, which is a certain kind of love that comes from the Lord. It is unconditional. It is perfect. It has its origins in God and nowhere else. If I have that, okay, tongues of men and angels have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, just making a noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy, well, these are gifts from the Lord, right? Spiritual gifts. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, just shall live by, we have to have these things. He's not, he's not discrediting these things. So that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. To me, it has to be all in love. All in love. You waking up at whatever time you get up in the morning to, to pray and wiping the sleep out of your eyes and to read your Bible to make sure you have that time with the Lord. Is it strictly a religious discipline that you know you should do and you should do it, by the way? Or is it, is it for a genuine love for the Lord? Put money in the offering plate. I'm going to be cursed if I don't give it, so I'll give it. Or do you do it out of joy and say, God has blessed my life so much, I'm putting it in there and I'm trusting Him with the 90% that I'm left with. It all came from Him and He could take all 100% if He wanted to. I'm going to trust Him with this and I'm going to do it with joy. You understand what I'm saying? There's, there has to be faith to remove mountains. If I have faith to remove mountains and don't have love, I personally am nothing, is what the Bible says. It's really uh, an amazing thing. And I thought about this world, you know, as this lost, sinful world continues its downward slide according to the Word of God, it's sinful, it's sin-filled, what is this world becoming increasingly more? It's not The world as a whole is not becoming increasingly more godly and kind, the world as a whole is becoming increasingly more unkind, unmerciful, unloving. This is not a uh, negative view. It's a, it's, a, it's a realistic view according to the Word of God. And we see it. The Bible says, I'll just read this, and because Jesus said, speaking of end times events in Matthew 24, and because iniquity, that sin, shall abound. Talking about specifically. Or what's it going to be like when you come back? Or the end of the world. What's, what's the characteristic going to be? Well, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. One of the main characteristics of these end times, iniquity is abounding. We all can see that, right? There's things, I sound like an old timer, okay? Maybe I'm getting to be an old timer. Things that are on TV now that when I was in high school would not have been on TV. No doubt about it. 
And there were things on TV when I was that age, high school or whatever, that would not have been when my parents were growing up. Unheard of, unthinkable, okay? Uh, iniquities abounding, uh, but people are becoming increasingly more unloving. Unloving. The pretense of love is there because people know that advantages them to for a politician or someone, whatever. And, and, I, and I personally detest it. I know the Lord detests hypocrisy, and where, where there's this show. And unfortunately, it's in our churches a lot of times. It's in our pulpits, in little churches and big churches, and TV ministries, and those that aren't on TV, uh, where it's not genuine. The Bible says that. Uh, in Romans 1.31, in the last days, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. How about that one? Without even natural affection. This is how mothers can give birth to their baby and put it in a dumpster. You think that's unconscionable. It's just nobody would do that. You said nobody would really do that. Yes, they do. They do that without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. So while the world's becoming increasingly more and more that way, God wants His people to become increasingly more and more like Jesus. Increasingly more and more filled with the love of God that is otherworldly. It's not because I mustered it up one day and said, I'm determined, I'm going to go out and give this and do that. And I've just determined it. It has to come from the Lord. It has to come by the Spirit of God, which we're going to read about in just a moment. But I want to read this scripture from Titus. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. The kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared to men. And you know that He still loves men. All the people that we talk about that don't know Jesus, that that are doing these horrible things and blasphemous things and ungodly things and persecuting the church um, and just this lost world. The Lord wants the love and kindness of the Savior to appear to them. Now, it appeared most perfectly through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? came through Jesus Christ, but Christ is in us and we're His body, the body of Christ. We are to represent Him. That same love and kindness of the Savior is to come through the people of God, through individual believers, and how, our, how the churches, the true churches, how we function as a whole. They are to see that. Okay? The love and kindness of the Savior is to appear to men. It needs to appear to other Christians. And it needs to appear to those that don't know the Lord. Amen. I think about uh, this, this scripture where it says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. He, he wants people to see that love. He wants us not only to be the recipients of that and say, I'm overwhelmed, God, for loving me. I'm, I'm unlovable and yet you love me. Thank you. But he wants in turn to, that's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the first one mentioned, love, joy, peace. He wants that to be in us. It's not, it's not the Lord over here and then me over here trying to develop some godly traits. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is by the Holy Ghost. It is by this God of love living in us and through us 
So I have to be shut up with God, so to speak. I need to have my time with the Lord and develop my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that God would see that. He wants to show forth His, his love to men. And like everything else about the Lord, the love of God is, is otherworldly. I said that a moment ago, but it's supernatural. And people need to see that. People need to see the love of the Lord in our lives. And if we're going to rightly represent the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to represent Him as people that are loving. With the love of God. Amen? Not tinkling uh, cymbals and so forth or sounding brass. It, it's not a fairy tale, this love of the Lord. It almost seems unattainable. It almost seems too good to be true. To I'm supposed to love my enemies? I'm supposed to love my enemies? I have a I mean, I have a hard enough time just loving strangers that I don't know. But you're telling me I need to love my enemies and pray for them to despitefully use me and persecute me. And I'm to rejoice in that. Are you kidding me? You know, I'm barely hanging on going through life. And you're telling me to do something that's like a fairy tale that I'm reading about. There's no connection to reality. And the Lord says it is real. It's not a fairy tale. I love you that way. I live in you. Die to yourself. Let me live through you. Because you know what? The Lord has no problem loving those people. That's what I have to keep telling myself. I pray all the time for myself. And I'm praying, Lord, help me love like you love. Help me to love the strangers and enemies. And I'll say, to Lord, you don't have any problem loving them. It's not hard for the Lord. It's not hard. It's not an effort. It's not... I mean, you really get my sleeves. I'm really going to see so-and-so and I'm going to really try to love them. The Lord loves them. He loved you when you didn't know Jesus. He loved me when I didn't know the Lord. So what is that telling me? Do I need to strain and try a little harder? Or do I need to die a little more? Like we're talking about on Wednesday nights. And let the Lord love through me and live through me. This love of God comes from God. It is in the hearts of men and women who know the Lord and walk with the Lord and that have been born of His Spirit, the Bible says, wonderful Scripture, just jot it down if, you, if you're taking notes, Romans 5.5, 5, it says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. I know I say it all the time. By the Holy Ghost. The love of God. So we know which love we're talking about. We know who He's talking to. He's talking to believers in that chapter. Is shed abroad where? In our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That word shed abroad, that little phrase is very interesting. You know what it means? It means to bestow. The love of God is bestowed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But it means to pour out. To spill. To gush out. So now do you get a picture? The love of God gushes into us and out of us. Shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, it, it spills out by the Holy Spirit. So if I'm dry spiritually, okay, I'm not saying you're not saved, but if I'm in a, I'm not been spending my time with the Lord, getting refreshed and refilled, like it says in Ephesians five, don't be drunk with wine, we're in this excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That phrase there, being filled, means a continual ongoing. And maybe you got real busy and 
and you're still saved, but you've gotten away from the Lord and the Word of God, and you haven't really can't remember the last time you really worshipped the Lord in spirit and in truth, and lifted up your hands or you and so forth, and met with God and commune with God, that He would soften up that heart of yours. That's what He wants to do. You can be drawn. It's not gushing out of us at some particular time. But if we'll live at the altar and if we'll live on our faces before the Lord and if we'll live doing what He says, God, fill me. I'm dry. Fill me. I'm dry. Fill me back up. Uh, he'll, he'll fill us back up. And that's how the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We need God's love to abound. I don't just need a measure of it. Like some little compartment over here. It's to gush out. To spill out. In all circumstances and situations. A love for God and a love for others. Amen? We need that to abound more and more in our hearts. Largeness of heart. That's how we open with Solomon. God gave wisdom to Solomon above the wisdom and understanding of every other man and largeness of heart. He says, as the sand that is on the seashore. That's the largeness of heart he gave to Solomon. And that's the same that the Lord can do in us by His Spirit. That's the only time in the whole Bible that that word is used. Isn't that interesting? Largeness. That specific word. The only time it's used in the whole Bible. Largeness of heart. It means breadth, broad width. So it's just as the sand that's on the seashore. Again, it's not some constrained type of love. I want you to turn with me and read with uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Again, we heard this in Sunday school. Uh, and we're going to touch on it real quickly. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's read 16 through 19. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. There's so much there. We could talk about that for weeks and weeks. But there's a few things here I do want to point out in that passage. That when he says that you may be rooted and grounded in love, that means to be established in love as a way of life. Rooted and grounded. Love is the soil. One, one commentary said, love is the soil in which our life must have its roots. It's the soil that you and I, our lives must have its roots. And it is the rock upon which our faith rests. So there's the love and the faith. And it's in this passage we read that by the Spirit of God, rooted and grounded in love, it comes from the Lord. I want to read this. Uh, I thought it was worth noting in a commentary that I was studying. God's love is total. When it talked about the breadth and depth and width and height of the love that passes or surpasses knowledge is really, really what it means. God's love is total. It reaches every corner of our experience. It is long. It continues the length of our lives. It is deep. It reaches to the depths of discouragement, despair, and even death. Talking about the love of the Lord. It is wide. 
It covers the breadth of our own experience and reaches out to the whole world. It is high. It rises to the heights of our celebration and elation. When you feel shut out or isolated, remember that you can never be lost and separated from God's love. Amen? It just it covers everything. It covers the expanse, the height, depth, width, breadth of the love of the Lord that, that surpasses knowledge. And so, I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but I said it comes from the Lord. It doesn't say in, in verse 16 that He would grant you. That means it comes from God. Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus, and it's for us as well, that He would grant to you. That means give it to you. Bestow it upon you. It has to come from the Lord. This love of God is not manufactured. It is not the product of men. It doesn't come from men. The best of men, it doesn't come from. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Okay, It doesn't come from books. It doesn't come from conferences. It doesn't come from a love conference or a love church. Or a, It comes from Jesus. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from schools or movements or ministries. It comes from the Lord. Okay, That's where this comes from, that He would grant you. Paul says, I'm not giving it to you. I'm praying that God would give it to you. That you'd know this fullness of the Lord and comprehend the love of God. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. He's, he has love to give and to spare. Amen? He's not going to bankrupt the Lord. I'll say it again. This... In order for me to have this and to experience it and to really walk in, in this type of life, then you and I need to make it a priority. I think we need to, we need to pare down, so to speak, or prune, prune down our lives to some extent to find out what's really important. I know it's a little thing, but say when, when your, your house floods, and you lost this, 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 and this, and this. It makes you see real important. As a believer, that's really... I'm not, I'm not going to crawl up in a ball and die because of that. You understand? That's not what's valuable. And the more closely we walk with the Lord, it, 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 those things kind of fall by the wayside. They're not unimportant, okay? They're just not even close to being the most important. And we need to focus our lives on the things that are eternal and that are valuable. And one of those is I need to love like the Lord loves. It comes from the Lord. He's not sending me out to some, some place to find it out there. I'm going to find it at the foot of the, of the Lord. And He says, by His Spirit. But the, the, by His Spirit, He would grant unto us the riches, verse 16, of it by the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And so it's by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so the, the prayer is for believers that the believers can and must be continually uh, and increasingly so be filled with the spirit of God and thereby be filled with by the love of the Lord that He would love through us more and more. And so this is not a time, I'm bringing this to a close, this is not a time for the church to love less. This is not a time, there's never a time for that, but it's certainly not a time when, when 
I know we're living in perilous times and dark times like we described, but this is not the time for the church to curl up in a ball and say it's us against the world. It's not the time for the church to become isolationist and, and lock the doors and it's just going to be us in here and the world can go to hell out there if they want to. They hate us. They're trying to strip our religious freedoms and liberties. Putting pastors in jail in Ireland and the UK and probably going to start happening here. It's not the time to curl up in a ball you know, and everybody else is just an enemy. It is not. And that's what the devil would have us to do. It is a time to love with the love of the Lord. It's the time to go hand a track to somebody and tell them Jesus loves you. It's the time to go help somebody whose house is flooded and, and show them the love of the Lord. It's a time to, to reach out. It's not the time to, for the church to be self-centered, self-absorbed. Paul said, I could wish myself accursed for my kinsmen in the flesh, my, the, my Jewish uh, heritage family, so, so forth, that they would be saved. I mean, the love of, of the Lord in Paul, he said, I could. I know that was not possible, but, but it's an uh, example of his love. I want to look at just a couple more verses. I want to read this from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. 2 Corinthians 6, 11 and 12. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is what? Enlarged. You are not straightened in us, but you're straightened in your own bowels. So what does that mean? Paul's saying, we, we love you, Corinthians. And what was happening for a, a big part is that the Corinthians were not reciprocating the love towards Paul. They were accusing him of this and accusing him of that and bad-mouthing him for this. And we like so-and-so better than Paul. And Paul, you know, even physically, he's not that impressive. And uh, all that kind of stuff. He doesn't speak all that well. They were, they were all kinds of things. He said, look, our hearts enlarged to you. Speaking about Paul and the ministers that were with him. That, that the Corinthian church knew. When he says our heart is not straightened to you. That means cramped to him in closely. So think about it. Our heart is not cramped. Our heart is enlarged to you. The more, he, Paul says, the more I love, the less I be loved. You know what? It's okay, though. Because he knew the Lord. And he walked with the Lord. You'll find that a lot of times. The more you pour out, the less you're poured back into by people a lot of times. Uh, but that's okay. Keep pouring out. The Lord loves you. The Lord's taking care of us. He's not, forget, he's not unrighteous to forget our labor of love. But he says, you're not straightened in us. Our heart's not cramped to you. You're straightened to us. Your heart's cramped towards us. We don't want to be cramped and straightened uh, to the Lord. And so such love is needful. If we're going to bring this, wrap it up, but it's, it's needful to rightly represent the Lord. And y'all, it's such a blessing to us. Wouldn't you rather have a heart filled with love for people and for God than not. Is that not a blessing to our own lives? To go through life being loving. And it's not an effort. It is a genuine... Some of the work we do to display the love sometimes can be hard work. But I'm saying the love in our hearts is from the Lord. It's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It also is a sign of maturity in the believers. When we're able to love, add to your faith virtue and virtue and brotherly kindness and so forth. And it wraps up into brotherly kindness, love. Okay? 
love was the last thing mentioned in that progression. Add to your faith, and it ends up the last of the seven things is love, charity. Let that be added to our lives. It is a fruit of the Spirit. And I think about Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus when he was about to raise him. He hadn't raised him yet. And he wept. It says Jesus wept. And it says, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. It was noteworthy. It was like, Behold. Behold how Jesus loved this man Lazarus. They took note of that. And by this will all men know that we're his disciples, that we have love one for another, that God would give us largeness of heart like he did, because it comes from the Lord. He would grant it even as the sand that's on the seashore. You can come. Y'all stand. I'm closing with one scripture. Two scriptures, actually. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You say, I can't do that, God. I can't love other people as perfectly and completely and thoroughly and unconditionally as you have loved me. But he commands us to do it. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. What is anything that's beyond us, like that's beyond us, our abilities, it ought to drive us to the Lord. It ought to drive us to these altars. It ought to bring us to that place or say, God, you command me to do it. I want to keep your commandment, but I'm so far from this. He says, I have the sufficiency for that by my spirit. Be filled with the spirit of the Lord. Let me love through you in that way. Peter says this, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love. It means unhypocritical love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. God, give us that pure heart. God, give us that largeness of heart. Help us to know the love of God that passes knowledge. Y'all, the altar's open. I'm going to ask if you would take however much time the Lord is dealing with your life at the altar. We all ought to be up here. I know I will be seeking the Lord for this to be wrought in my life, to be worked in my life. And then remember, before we run off, we're going to say the blessing together. So if you would stay in the sanctuary. Father, we just come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, how we love you, Lord.